Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. May the Lord bless this reading to us. Paul's mention here of faith is referring, I think, to the coming of the Lord Jesus, the coming of the Messiah. And when he speaks in this verse 23, but before faith came, I think that we should consider that as the person of Christ, the object of a believer's faith, the one in whom our faith is uh, vested and directed. So uh, he is speaking here about the, the time of the coming of Christ. And our faith looks to Christ and our faith trusts in Christ. So that faith's coming is a reference to Christ's coming and his accomplishments on the cross. And if this is the right way to think about this, then it's it's interesting, I think, to realise that the Apostle saw the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ as being a great watershed in history. And that, I think, is significant. It's, it's not always... It's not always easy to understand that we're going through a momentous time. It's always much easier to to uh, understand something significant upon reflection or, or, or in retrospect, looking back on it. But to actually understand, as Paul did, that the coming of Christ was so significant, I think is interesting. He saw that that not only the children of Israel, not only the Jews, but the world was come to the end of one era and the beginning of another. He knew that Christ was the Messiah and he understood that the Messiah having come, nothing would ever be the same again. Now, when we look back over time, as I say, it's pretty obvious that that this, in fact, happened. For example, we um, measure our calendar today, B.C. and A.D. So we, we look to the time of the coming of Christ as the very basis of our understanding of uh, time and, and uh, the measurement of, of years. We know about Jerusalem's destruction by the Romans. We know about the end of the Jewish nation and the Jewish state and, to a large extent, the Jewish religion. We understand the changes that took place following the death of the Lord Jesus 
as the apostles went out preaching, carrying the gospel to the Gentile nations, or as we've been thinking in the studies that we're doing in Isaiah, the Isles. Because again, this was a a, a recognised prophetic time. And the Apostle Paul grasped this. He saw that the gospel was going to spread throughout the earth. And for millennia, the Jews had held themselves aloof and separate from other nations. They considered themselves God's chosen people, endowed with a religion uh, uh, that was exclusive to them, um, enjoying a unique position as possessors of the revelation of God. They had, after all, as Paul says to the Romans, they had committed to them the oracles of God. No other nation could say that. No other nation on the face of the earth could say that they possessed the oracles of God. That is the law of Moses, the writing of the prophets, the ceremonial law, the pictures and types of of sacrifice and, and the tabernacle and all of the other ways in which God revealed himself. The prophecies of the Messiah were largely unique to the Jews. The prophecies concerning the future gospel church. And the spread of the gospel amongst the the, the Gentiles. I'm not suggesting that only Jews understood the gospel in the Old Testament age. But it was the Jewish nation that largely uh, maintained the testimony down through the centuries. They had all the books of the Old Testament. So make no mistake, the children of Israel and the Jewish people were a blessed people. And yet it seems clear that Paul realised that all this had come to an end. Now no doubt there was an element of special revelation in that. But nevertheless he understood in the moment that by the coming of Christ everything had changed. These Judaizers who were trying to bring the Galatians under the law of Moses were yearning back to a time that was now gone, or at least it was in the passing. That dispensation had run its course, and now it was at an end. And now that the Messiah had come, now that the gospel was being preached, and faith in Christ was the church's message to the world and the call to which men and women were being summoned, the role that the law had previously served for the Jews was ended and the new revelation of faith had begun. Now this is not to say that there had not been faith before, nor indeed that in the future the the law was now altogether redundant. There was faith in the Old Testament and a people of faith, as we've been thinking about in Isaiah, who looked forward to the coming of Christ and who trusted in Christ for salvation. And so too, there continues a judging and a convicting and a condemning work for the law. But there had been a change 
the gospel now being preached, faith now revealed and believed in by the Gentiles with a, a new vigour and a new expansiveness had brought about an alteration. And this is what Paul is stressing. The message of justification by the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ that he had declared to the Galatians was not to convert men and women into Jews or make them proselytes of Abraham or Moses. It was to transform them, heart and life, into new creatures by bringing them into union with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that this description of the role that the law used to play is interesting. Paul says it was a schoolmaster. And I think the sense is that it was a disciplinarian. It imposed order and restraint largely by fear. And it ruled strictly and it regulated behaviour by punishment and the threat of punishment. It's maybe useful for us to notice uh, in this verse 24 where he says about the law being the schoolmaster. He says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. But if you look there, the words to bring us are in italics. And that means that they're not in the original text. They've been That to bring us has been slotted in there, hopefully to make the context a little bit more understandable. But that's fine. That's, that's, that's okay. Um, the words serve a purpose if we understand them uh, as meaning until the time of Christ. But we shouldn't think that the law carries us to Christ or that the law conducts us to Christ or the law enables us to come to Christ. This is the distinction between the law and the gospel. The gospel brings us to salvation. More accurately still, it is God himself by his spirit applying the gospel according to his providential workings that brings a soul first under a sense of need and then shows us Christ as the answer for that need. And faith having come, or again, the object of faith having come, and the gospel of God concerning the Lord Jesus Christ, which is salvation by grace, the law no longer required to perform the task that it once did for the Jewish people. And what these carnal Jews once saw as the glory of their faith, the, the law of Moses, spiritual Jews always understood it merely to be a pointer to a better hope and a better righteousness in the Messiah. But now that law has been confined to its quarters. Christ has come. The services of the schoolmaster are no longer required. And once again, I, I want to just point out that when Paul says we are justified by faith, 
it's best for us to remember that it's not our act of faith that justifies us. We're justified by the blood and the righteousness of Christ. But here's the thing that we, 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 we take thought of, we take comfort from. We experience the blessings of our justification through believing. We deepen our appreciation of the Lord and his work by faith. As our faith grows and strengthens, as our understanding of the things of the Lord grow and strengthen, so we get more blessing and benefit from that. And I, I hope that we have understood in our references to the everlasting covenant that we've been making over the past few weeks that this blessing of salvation was won for us by the Lord Jesus Christ under the terms of that covenant, under the terms of that agreement, so that it is now our possession. We've been thinking about God's faithfulness regarding our salvation for our justification and our, our standing before God is not dependent on our faith. In fact, we, it's, it's pretty amazing what the Apostle Paul um, writes to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. He says, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. And I think that is a great blessing and encouragement to the Lord's people because there's not one of us here, there's not a true believer who does not, from time to time, struggle with their faith, struggle with believing, struggle with trusting the Lord. But the Lord doesn't change his view of us because we fail to be faithful to him. When the Lord promises to save his people, he doesn't change his promise upon the vagaries of our feelings or our failures or even our lack of faith. So let me just end by making a few comments about verse 26 and then, then we're done. Verse 26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And I think that here, again in the context of what the, Apoll is, the Apostle is, is writing, it reinforces this objective position that we are in. In God's sight. Let me put that another way. The unalterable status that we are as the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ. When we trust the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, we learn about all of the blessings that God has given us. And we learn that we are the children of God. We are his family. We're adopted into the family of God and we are heirs of all the benefits and blessings of God's promises. 
The father's everlasting love for his son is the same everlasting love that he has for you and me. And all the glory that belongs to Christ belongs to us as well because we are united to him and as children we are heirs with him. And this identification of the Galatian believers as children of God, it must have been, well, it ought to have been a great encouragement to them. Here were a group of Judaizers telling them that they needed to get themselves back under Moses' law for obedience, for righteousness, for confirmation of their standing with God and for a felt awareness of his pleasure upon them. And Paul says, no, you are children. You are fully recognised. You are full beneficiaries. You are fully entitled to all the blessings that the Father has given his Son in whom he is well pleased. The Judaizers were making the Galatians feel as if they were inadequate as if they were second-class Christians. And Paul tells them that they're not only first-class, but they're top of the class when all our righteousness is derived from Christ and all our confidence is in him. Our faith does not make us children of God, but our faith draws down all the blessings of our divine adoption into the family of God, together with all the blessings of our union with Christ. And that's why Paul's preaching, that's why gospel preaching is so useful to us and important for us. It is as Christ is declared and revealed and lifted up and unfolded and unpacked and discovered and disclosed and understood that our faith deepens and grows and gleans and obtains more and more of God's rich gifts to us in his Son. Hearing about Christ is not a chore for the people of God. It is a pleasure and it is an encouragement and it is a comfort. Theology and doctrine is not hard work when we see it as the key to the door of the rich treasure house of God's mercy and grace. Now some people, some preachers today would rather be like these Judaizers and crush their hearers under the heavy burden of the law, weigh them down with a continuing sense of unworthiness and failure. Well, let's forget that. That's the devil's job, and he's more accomplished at it anyway. Preaching the gospel is preaching what Christ has accomplished for us and freely given to us. Christ is the ground of our acceptance, the source of our happiness, and the bringer of all eternal life, joy and peace. Believers don't need to be told of all the ways that we've fallen short this week. 
We need to be told of all the ways Christ has delivered us from condemnation and supplied all the grace that we need to inspire our worship and motivate our praise. So let's hear it once again from the lips of the Apostle Paul. Brothers and sisters, ye are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.